Welcome to Becoming a Good Therapist, a podcast all about helping you build your confidence as a mental health professional, creating better outcomes for your clients, and really loving the important and life-changing work that you do. I'm Courtney Schroeder. I'm a limited licensed social worker, and I'm here to learn and grow right along with you as I share the lessons, tools, conversations, and steps that I'm taking that are helping me become a good therapist. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. Today, we're going to be talking all about nervous system regulation, which is a follow-up from last week's episode, which was all about the autonomic nervous system and polyvagal theory. So now that we have a basic understanding about the autonomic nervous system, we're going to discuss how we can use that knowledge and apply it in therapy by helping our clients regulate their nervous systems. So in that last episode, there was a lot of information and it was more of a technical episode. And for those of you who are visual learners, I'm also one, um, I've created a few images that kind of help illustrate the breakdown of the nervous system and then the autonomic ladder to help make those concepts a little bit easier to understand. So if you're interested in that, those are on my website and my website is always linked in the show notes or in the description of the podcast. And for every podcast episode, I have a corresponding blog post with all of the key points and sometimes some extra stuff sprinkled in. So that will also be in the description for every episode. So the nervous system and nervous system regulation is a big topic, and I have a lot that I want to share, so I've decided to break up today's episode into two parts. So today we're going to be talking about what nervous system dysregulation is, what regulation is, and then focus on some therapist factors that promote nervous system regulation in our clients. So these are things that we may decide to do in every session with all of the people that we work with to more generally create an environment for our clients where they feel safe working with us. And then in the next episode, I'm going to share some specific exercises and strategies you can do with your clients to help them regulate. And then they can also do those on their own outside of therapy as well. So to understand nervous system regulation, we need to understand what it means to be dysregulated, right? So remember, we have three states in our autonomic nervous system, the safe and social state, fight or flight, and the shutdown state. And the way I view dysregulation is that being in a self-protective state of either fight or flight or shutdown does not necessarily mean that you are dysregulated. We have these states, all of them, for good reason, and sometimes our current circumstances call for this type of response. So while we do have a biological drive to return to that safe and social state, being there all of the time is not necessarily the goal or a marker of a healthy nervous system. What is a marker of a healthy nervous system, I think, is being able to have flexibility and shift into states as they're needed and then out of them when they're no longer needed. So let's talk about an example. Let's say you are getting ready for work and you're trying to get your kids out the door to school on time and it's getting a little stressful and your nervous system starts to bring just a little fight or flight energy as you realize you're in a time crunch and the kids aren't moving as quickly as you would like them to. 
and the bus arrives outside. Your fight or flight increases some more. The kids run out the door and catch it just in time. And then that fight or flight energy goes down a bit once they get on the bus. But now you realize you're going to be about five minutes late for work. So your fight or flight kicks back up a little bit more. You rush to your car and you head to work. And then when you arrive, you realize that your meeting hasn't started yet and that several of your coworkers have been held up by traffic and they're arriving around the same time. And your boss just kind of walks by you, smiles and said good morning, and everyone settles in. And so then after a few moments, you kind of relax and your nervous system shifts back into that safe and social state. And so in this example, we can see some ways the nervous system took in cues from the environment about what energy was needed um, when you needed to get the kids out the door and needed to get going to work. Some fight or flight energy came in and gave you some energy and focus to get those things done. And then when you arrived at work and you got feedback that things were okay, you shifted out of that state and into the safe and social state. So there's some flexibility there and the nervous system is able to respond to what's going on. But let's say after you realized that everything was okay throughout the meeting, you still kind of stayed in that fight or flight state. Maybe your heart rate was a little bit elevated, your breathing was still a bit shorter, um, your muscles were tense and you just kind of stay keyed up. And then throughout the rest of the morning, you're still just kind of feeling distracted and stressed and you can't really seem to fully settle into the day despite otherwise having a pretty stress-free morning. And so this is an example of what we might call dysregulation. So the nervous system is finding it difficult to shift out of a self-protective state at a time when it's actually safe to do so. And actually when we approach mental health through the lens of the nervous system, we can view a lot of mental health issues as forms of dysregulation or chronic dysregulation. And chronic dysregulation could look like a lot of irritability, mood swings, anxiety, maybe feeling depressed or hopeless. It can look like feeling tired but wired or that you really just can't slow down physically or mentally, maybe having issues sleeping, even digestive issues. And these can all be signs that we're kind of stuck in a survival state and we're having trouble coming out. And when this happens, we might also see things like maybe trouble with memory and attention as well. So when someone is struggling with dysregulation, another way of understanding it is that there's a mismatch between what type of nervous system response is needed in the current moment and what's actually happening. And often if we feel that a response is maybe out of proportion to a situation or it's just not quite matching up, it can be a sign that there's something from the past that is coming up. So in my training on polyvagal theory, Deb Dana would use a question I really like to explore this with clients. She would ask, in this moment, in this place, with this person or with these people, is this response what's needed? So I'll say that one more time. In this moment, in this place, with this person or with these people, is this response what's needed? And this question just helps us reflect for a moment on what's going on in our bodies, what's going on around us, and reflecting on if this response is what's needed. Is it helpful? It's not about if it's right or wrong. It's just about seeing if this response is benefiting us. And if it's not, we can do things to change our state. 
So this is what nervous system regulation is really all about. This top-down conscious effort to help dial the nervous system into the present moment. And that might look like wanting to shift from one nervous system state to another, such as shift from shutdown to safe and social. But it also might mean that you just want a different amount of the energy that the nervous system is bringing. So if you are maybe in fight or flight, and maybe it makes sense that you would be in fight or flight a little bit, but you're feeling too much, then you might just want to bring it back in a little bit so it's not so overpowering and overwhelming. So with nervous system regulation, we're helping our clients find more cues of safety. And when it comes to healing and mental health treatment, nervous system regulation definitely is not the end-all be-all. It's really about stabilizing, getting into a more calm and grounded state to sort of set the stage for the deeper work that may be required to help create change. So when we're processing painful emotions, having ways to come back to our center can give us a sense of control so that we can feel safe to do that work, especially if there is a history of trauma there. So creating safety is what it's all about here when it comes to nervous system regulation. And as therapists, there are things that we can aim to do in all of our sessions with all of our clients to create an environment that can be regulating in and of itself. And these can become like habits that we do to create a solid foundation of a safe space. So here are some of the things that we can do to create that space. The first is we can offer our own regulated nervous system to our clients. So being familiar with where our nervous system is at and what we need in order to stay generally regulated with them And having ways for us to kind of silently ground ourselves when needed is important. For many clients, it can be a new experience for them to be open about thoughts and feelings with someone who's grounded, who's not shying away from their experience, and who can truly be present with them. And it's kind of like offering them a tether when they're in the depths of their own uncomfortable or unfamiliar feelings. The state of your nervous system can kind of be its own medicine and its own gift to your clients. And it can be really powerful. And I think it can kind of send the implicit message that it's okay for you to share this with me or be however you are. All parts of you are welcome here. Another thing that we can do, building on the foundation of our own regulated nervous system, is that we can co-regulate with our clients. So one of the most powerful ways that we as humans can regulate is through co-regulation. And co-regulation is regulation that happens through connection with another person. So we are social beings and it's very natural to seek comfort from others and to be driven to provide that for others as well. And as babies, we come into the world ready to co-regulate with our caregivers. And if we have enough loving, co-regulating experiences, this sets a foundation for us to more easily be able to self-regulate in the future. And it's not uncommon for our clients to come to therapy struggling with self-regulation because they didn't have the co-regulating experiences that they needed in the past or they're struggling to find those co-regulating experiences in their relationships now. So there's great power in the fact that we as therapists can co-regulate with our clients through offering a calm, safe space for them, being attuned to them, interested in them, 
responding to their emotions, and continuing to show them that we are a safe person. So if you're doing that in session, you are offering an impactful regulating experience for the nervous system. And it can also be helpful to discuss with clients um, who else they may have in their life that they can co-regulate with. So who can they go to when they're upset? Who will reliably be there for them? Or who do they simply enjoy being in the presence of um, when they're needing a little bit of regulating energy? And if they can't think of anyone, explore the possibility of animals. If they have pets in the house that they love, those pets can definitely offer a regulated energy and that can also be co-regulating to the nervous system. Another way we can provide safety for our clients is through providing context and choice in the session. So Deb Dana talked a bit about this in my training. Letting clients know perhaps what to expect in the session, even a brief outline, especially if it's early on in the therapeutic relationship, um, especially that very first session, helps to reduce uncertainty and that can calm the nervous system. And as therapists, if we are prioritizing a client-led approach, providing our clients with some choices as to how they want to spend their time is something many of us are probably already doing. So we do want to offer some choices, but of course, too many choices can be overwhelming. So offering a couple of options can also help to create safety without going overboard. And then the last thing here that I wanted to mention um, that I also learned from my training is just a few basic social cues of safety and danger that might be kind of intuitive, but it's just good to be aware of as we work with our clients. So things like tone of voice, facial expression and eye contact can all send powerful cues of either safety or danger. Um, And it's really important because we really read social cues to determine if we are safe or in danger. So a monotone voice, a blank facial expression, and staring at our clients without periodically breaking eye contact or never making eye contact with them all can be signals of danger to the nervous system. So on the flip side then, vocal prosody, showing some changes in our facial expressions and oscillating through periods of eye contact and then breaking that contact can all send signals of safety. So think about the ways you're already bringing cues of safety to all of your clients. Because if you are, and I'm sure that you are, then you're already doing something really essential, important, and powerful. And perhaps today's episode helped you to reflect on maybe some ways you can even bring more cues of safety into your sessions. And as I mentioned, in the next episode, we'll be discussing some regulation exercises and strategies that you can use with your clients and hopefully that you can use for yourself as well. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a rating and review. Um, I would really appreciate it. They really help the podcast and it can also help other people know that they might find this podcast helpful too. So thank you so much for listening and I look forward to seeing you soon. Bye.